1: Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And our guest today is John McDonald. We all know him here in Kansas City as the founder of Boulevard Brewing Company. And he started that at a time when... Craft Brewery really hadn't uh, made its way into Kansas City and when people were you know drinking just the regular beers that you you've heard of and I'm not going to mention them on here but he grew that into Missouri's second largest brewery and the region's largest craft brewery he sold that in 2013 and in typical John McDonald style he hasn't just been sitting back and doing nothing you've been pretty busy since then what what's life been like since the sale in 2013?
2: Well, uh, I think you said the word busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It feels like it's been really busy. I think over all the years of the brewery, there were a lot of things I always thought I wanted to do. And then when I got the chance to do them, I just did them all, I think. (laughs) And so I tell people a lot of times I feel like I've got a lot of balls in the air, but Mm -hmm. they're kind of all down around my feet right now, trying (laughs) to just get them up. So...
1: Yeah, yeah it's been interesting well you you still do go into the brewery every day though I mean that 's still part of your daily activity in life i yeah. mean you haven 't just walked away from that
2: no absolutely uh, you know I uh, go in it usually typically in the mornings i spend, try to spend a half a day there mm-hmm. and then I do a lot of traveling for the brewery when they open up new markets and you know uh, board meetings and that kind of thing but um, yeah I you know obviously really want the brewery to succeed and I think uh, We are succeeding. I think there's a lot of good things happening, Uh, Mm a lot of investment here in Kansas City um, and outside of Kansas City. Right. So, yeah, we're the, I think, all together now – uh, in the U.S. We're the fifth largest craft brewer in the United States. That's so. great.
1: Yeah. I know that when you sold and there was, there was some consternation among the purists, the craft brewery uh, purists about the sale. And you said, it's only going to lead to bigger and better things. Ha- has that come true for the most part? Has well, it done what you hoped?
2: I think we're on the way there. Uh-huh. You know, uh, you know, I still believe that it was a, hopefully a good move for us here in Kansas City. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of investment. Um, they, when you talk about the, the Belgians, Duval Mortgott, they mm-hmm. are, you know, craft brewers in their own yes. right. So they're just slightly larger than us. And and now with the acquisitions in the U.S., they're uh, really kind of a force to be reckoned with. I think we have a lot of great synergies through, you know, larger sales and, you know, better marketing or mm-hmm. more marketing and that kind of thing. So,
1: right. And you've been able to produce more too, right? You've been able to add more production? Well, not until now. We're, Uh we're, you
2: know, we've been pretty tight, but, uh, and here, you know, I was actually just out at our wholesaler here locally here a couple weeks ago, and he said we were up, you know, almost 20% here in Kansas City. So I think, you know, where at the first I think people were nervous about it. I think now people are, have seen the commitment and, um, you know, all the good things that are happening at the brewery. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Oh, I I know a few people uh, very close to me who, when you made the announcement, said, never again, never again, I'll never buy another one. Of course, every time I see them, they're drinking a boulevard. (laughs) So, you know, a lot lot of angst over over nothing, really, because, as you say, uh, the commitment's still there, and all it's done is expand your horizons, really. Um, One of the other things that you are involved in now is the East Bottoms and revitalizing that. What's your vision for that area?
2: Well, I wish I had a more of a vision. Actually, it's one of those balls that's kind of on the ground a little bit, but it kind of goes back quite a few years ago. You know, we've been in the East Bottoms for quite a while. I bought a building there maybe 10, 11 mm-hmm. years ago, this old bottle shop building from the Heim Brewery, which was the largest pre-Prohibition brewery in Kansas City. Right. Built kind of build up during the 1870s through the turn of the century. These guys did a lot of really interesting things. They built two electric parks, Mm -hmm. which were amusement parks. Uh, The first one built right by the brewery, and then the second one built at like 40th and Paseo. And uh, the one at 40th and Paseo is where actually um, Walt Disney who was, grew up in Kansas City, got the idea for Disneyland. Wow. So there's kind of a neat connection mm-hmm. there. And I, so I've been doing a lot of research on all of that. Thinking and then, about
1: bringing it back?
2: Uh, not totally. Uh-huh. I mean, I don't know that that's completely possible, but uh, that's part of the idea, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit. The uh, LLC is actually called Electric Park LLC. So, yeah, we're real interested in that idea.
1: Okay. You have something called Bottoms Up Collective. What is that all about?
2: Well, Bottoms Up is, uh, you know, kind of a partnership with a neighbor of mine on the west side, a guy named Jamie Jeffries, and um, he's a contractor. And, you know, we've, you know, bought, it's kind of a a real estate development business. Okay. Um, And we've got a lot of interest in kind of empty ground Mm -hmm. uh, with the idea possibly, and this is part of the little bit of the vision, but, you know, sort of urban agricultural type ideas. Uh, You know, the East Bottoms, you know, it's great river bottom ground. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that, there's a lot of industry down there, which I also like, because I think industry's interesting.
1: So you're really trying to figure Mm -hmm. out in the East Bottoms, it sounds like a way to marry some of the industry, Agriculture, taking it back to its roots, and some sort of entertainment, perhaps. You're talking about the electric uh, company part of it. So all three of them?
2: Yeah, I think so. I -hmm. mean, that's really kind of the idea. You know, we're working on a lot, talking to a lot of people really right now, and looking all over the country at at similar developments. So, and there's a lot of talk in Kansas City as there is all over the U.S. right now. You know, agriculture, agriculture, I think is a really interesting field right now. I mean, I think. In some ways, we, agriculture is much like the craft beer industry was 25, 30 years ago. Well, I think, you know, in the U.S., um, farming has become very commodity-based. So we're growing a lot of, all farmers almost grow the same crops. There are very few, you know, cottage farmers that are, you know, farmers that are growing things that are for local Mm -hmm. consumption you know, we import a lot of that from all over the world. And I think, so you've got all these farmers that are making commodity-based crops. And I think where that's maybe 98%, I I don't know the exact percentage. Mm
1: -hmm. It's a large one. It's
2: large. And so maybe in 10 or 20 years, Uh, 10 or 15 or 20 percent just like the craft beer industry Mm -hmm. is now 10 percent of the beer business
1: right oh it seems like it should be more than
2: that. It's still just
1: 10 percent
2: people think that but it's growing you know Mm -hmm. it's uh you know i think they have a goal to get to 20 percent by i don't know 2020 or something i don't know that they will but the thing that's so great about the craft beer industry is the localness of it and the job creation yeah they say that over sixty percent of all the jobs in the beer business today are in the craft beer segment. Now
1: that, do, no, that so, doesn't surprise me. So
2: ten percent of the volume creates sixty percent mm-hmm. of the jobs. I think it's probably higher than that now, but that's an amazing statistic. And it, then you think about if you did that in agriculture, you know, instead of you know these giant farms with mm-hmm. very few people. Now we need those because we have to feed the world, right? right so right. We, it's not hmm. going to be. An overnight thing. I think this is just a, you right. know, a trend.
1: And it's not going to be one to the exclusion <clears throat> of the other. As you say, they're all part of what we need. But to to give that local uh, farmer or the local agriculture. Uh, a leg up, or, or to help them along, is certainly something that I think a lot of people would support, especially right now. I mean, I I know lots of people who are very excited about um, you can. I don't even know what you call them, where you can subscribe basically, and you get your bag of yeah. fresh produce every yeah, week. Yeah, those are, what are those I can't called? Called But yeah, C, there's something. Yeah. yeah, but there's a lot of, of um, interest in that, and eating better, and fresher, and more local. There is absolutely,
2: yeah. and and you know, I think it's going to take a long time. because because over the last, you know, probably it's been since the 40s or 50s since you had sort of local agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's been moving very fast to this commodity-based agriculture that, that we have today. And I think that's why you see, you know, obesity is a real problem. Um, but, you know, you, it's really hard to turn that back, and, and it's going to take a lot of time and energy, because even if you grow the food, You know, you still have to harvest the food. You have to get it to the people. Then they have to know how to cook the food. Absolutely. And, you know, we've even lost a lot of that. So all of these things are going to kind of have to work together to ultimately make this idea work
1: right and i know you've met with some people from the giving grove it's an organization that um, i'm i'm very fond of personally and it addresses some of the things you just mentioned about having to harvest it and about having to learn how to cook it and so forth because when they go when the giving grove goes into these areas and they plant the trees and so forth it's the local neighborhood that takes care of it and tends to it if i remember correctly and they harvest it and basically have um, a very vital stake in its outcome.
2: Right. No, I, I think there's a lot of organizations like that that are starting to do those kinds of things. And I think you also have to, um, you know, I think there's a lot of small farmers, too, that are, you know, I mean, this is, uh, there's a lot of talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to get it all to happen. Yeah. You know, it's going to take a lot of, you know, hard work and a, a lot of, um, Interested people, and a lot of sacrifice, I think, to to get it moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of times with these things, people get very excited about the concept, but it's hard to change habits. And so, uh, it seems to me that there would be uh, education component, or uh, even uh, getting just people to change their routines. And you know, run to the grocery store all the time, and that there's alternatives to that.
2: Yes, I, I think so. You know, I. It, it's interesting, one of the things that I think, um, you know, if you look at the inner city a hundred years ago, like I live in an old neighborhood that was probably built, in. my house mm-hmm. was built in 1883, and, you know, at the corner down the block was a grocery store at one time, probably right. several of them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back then before the invention of the automobile, so because we're so mobile now, you know, it's not, you know, we drive a long way to get our go Mm -hmm. to the grocery and it's easy to do that but I think one of the things that's happening too I heard the statistic last year at the downtown council meeting and that was that a woman gave a talk and the uh, one of the statistics that I thought was so interesting is she said last year was the first year since world war ii that more people moved into the cities of the united states than into the suburbs I had no idea and so you know if you think about the whole suburban growth of the you know which probably started back in the 40s and 50s mm-hmm. during World War II. I mean that's a 80 years you know mm-hmm. an 80 year pendulum swing right well now I think you're going to see people moving back into the city and that's going to be a 20 30 40 50. it's not going to be just a mm-hmm. year or two it's going to be a long swing back right and so I think that also gives us the opportunity to put in smaller local, uh, groceries and, mm-hmm. and places for us to buy our food,
1: and and I think I think um, when people start uh, developing that habit and actually start participating in those kinds of things, there's sort of pride and a sort of loyalty that gets built. That's very hard to um sever but it takes a while as you say to develop it and uh, but once you do it's very strong
2: yeah
1: yeah we're going to take a quick break when we come back i want to talk about ripple glass and a little bit more about your ideas for the east bottom we're talking here with john mcdonald the founder of boulevard brewery we'll be right back
2: interested in growing your business Time to bring your family together over thick-cut, slow-smoked farmland bacon. It's savory, delicious farmland breakfast sausage. Every strip, every patty and link brings the sizzle. Breakfast is served. Come and get it. Farmland. Passion for pork since 1959.
0: Thinking Bigger Business Media is accepting nominations for the 15th Annual 25 Under 25 Awards. These prestigious awards recognize 25 outstanding businesses with under 25 employees. We're looking for dynamic Kansas City area for-profit companies with under 25 employees that have been in business at least three years and have shown steady growth, a commitment to the community, and an ability to overcome challenges. If your company or a company you do business with qualifies for the 25 Under 25 Awards, fill out a nomination form online at 25under25.com. That's 25under25.com or call 913-432-6690 for details. Self-nominations are encouraged. Apply now. Nominations close October 9th for 25 under 25. Don't wait. Nominate. Visit 25under25.com to nominate your business.
1: Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're talking here this morning with John McDonald, who's the founder of Boulevard Brewery, and he's been talking about life after the sale. Of course, he hasn't uh, sat still for too long, still goes into the brewery for a half day every day, travels a lot, and he's also got a lot of things going on, and I I think things is the right word because uh, you haven't really honed it down to one thing, Uh, in the East Bottoms. We were talking about an electric park, that there were there were two uh, entertainment and, and amusement parks that were built down there. Uh, well, one was built down there and another one uh, rebuilt later at 40th and Paseo. And, and you have a, a similar kind of concept for that area now where you would marry the agricultural uh, routes there along the river, along with the current industry, and perhaps some entertainment. And one of the things I've read about is a food hall concept. Can you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, I've, um, you know, traveled a lot in my life. I spent a couple of years in South America when I got out of college. And, you know, if you're in South America, every town and village has a, a market. And that's where everybody buys all their stuff. And there's all kinds of food being made. And and so I kind of had all of that experience. And then in traveling to Europe, you still see a lot of these kinds of places in Europe. Spain's no, uh, mm-hmm. notorious for them. And they are combinations of... They're kind of like a grocery store, only they're more like a market, typically open air, mm-hmm. maybe with a roof over them. And so, you know, I've sort of thought along those lines. And then uh, there's a lot of things happening now with like food incubators, yes. people trying to make uh, local products uh, and then, you know, hopefully scale them up and, and start businesses. So we're kind of thinking along those lines. Um, Right now, we haven't made any, we haven't leased any spaces, we haven't done anything, because I'm really trying to, you know, get the right team together, mm-hmm. the right group of people, because I think that's going to be very important. Um, and so, yeah, we're working along those lines. And I think, you know, the East Bottoms is an interesting place. It's pretty inexpensive uh, to live down there. Um You know, and it's not for everybody. It's kind of a gritty part of town, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah. And I was going to ask you, why the East Bottoms? Why the interest there? A a lot of people are talking about the West Bottoms right now, that it's their time. And, of course, we've seen what happened to the crossroads. It it exploded, but it took some time for that to develop. Why the East Bottoms?
2: You know, because nobody else is interested in it.
1: So a true entrepreneur like (laughs) you gravitates there, right? You know, I've always
2: liked it. I just like, I like industry. And I, you know, when we started on Southwest Boulevard, I, you know, I bought my first house uh, at 28th and Charlotte in 1977 for Mm $7,500. And that was actually when I sold that 10 years later was the seed money I used to start the brewery. So. Uh Because uh, you I, lived
1: in the brewery for a while, yeah, didn't you? Yeah, lived in the yeah. brewery
2: and lived on the west side for a lot of years. And so I've seen, you know, the west side, people don't realize it, but the west side was, you know, one of the worst parts of Kansas City 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was, was it yeah. was rough. And so, and I think today, you know, it's still kind of the same neighborhood, only it's just changed a lot. And mm-hmm. so, um, and I think I like these East Bottoms because it's kind of, a little bit like the Wild West down there, and you got knuckleheads, and right it, to me, and the trains. I mean, the train uh-huh. goes right by, you know, our buildings goes sure. right through the middle of the neighborhood, and so you know, it's never going to be, you know, glitzy mm-hmm. Westwood, or you know, right. it's it's no, going to no. always be kind of a interesting place
1: yeah it's very eclectic uh has it a, has a, a charm to it that you can't replicate um, but there's some really neat activity going on there now i mean uh, you mentioned knuckleheads and of course that is a major draw and you get people going down there for no other reason than to patronize the local pig for example
2: local pigs killing yeah. it and um uh yeah the reger guys that mm-hmm. actually lease space you know from you know the till the, the newer building next to the to our uh the big building and they're doing really well so yeah there's just a lot of neat things happening
1: what do you think's going to have <clears throat> to happen in order for it to and i know your vision is still a little bit sketchy you've said that but what do you think's going to have to happen in order for uh that vision to crystallize and for something to really happen down there
2: well i'm probably going to have to figure out exactly what it is I do want to do down there because I'm just not there yet. I Mm -hmm. kind of taken my time. I don't have to, to race to do something. So I'm probably just the opposite of, uh, there's probably a happy medium between being very young and poor (laughs) and having to race to get something going. Mm -hmm. I mean, and being able to take your time and, and, and try to do the right thing because there's a lot of moving parts to all these Definitely. things it's like do you want to just be retail i would like not to be i i want it to be a kind of a maker space i want mm-hmm. things actually real things to be coming out of the building so and the it, job creation yeah, you and mentioned then, is
1: important to, right too. and then you yeah. get a
2: lot of just from the legal side of things you know mm-hmm. you've got liquor licenses you've got food uh laws you've mm-hmm. got all these different things that kind of are entwined right and uh, these things have built up over you know decades and decades of legal changes you know legal changes in the law i mean that date back way back to prohibition and and you know yeah. all the stuff that is has to do with food safety today so mm-hmm. there's a lot of moving parts to this and then the other uh i think aspect of is you know that distribution system for for small food pro You know, it's like uh, for them to go the traditional routes could also, you know, make it too expensive for them Mm -hmm. to be profitable. So there's a lot of moving parts to this thing.
1: Right, you get you have this vision, but then you get hit with the reality yeah. of, of the business world and with all the different things that yeah. you just said. One of the things we haven't talked about is Ripple Glass. Uh, you started that along with some other people. It's been many years ago now, but where, where's that at now, and how's it you going? Know,
2: Ripples chugging along. I mean, mm-hmm. we knew that um, we knew that glass would, you know, glass recycling probably wouldn't make us rich, but. You know, it's turned into a nice little business. Uh, we employ, I think, probably 15, 18 people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think we're a unique model in the in the United States in that we control the collection and also operate the processing facility. And then 80% of that material is sold, so, uh, sold locally here to Owens Corning. About 20% of it goes to our bottle manufacturer in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's... And it's still growing. About half our glass is collected here locally. Um, and then the other half of our glass comes from a regional marketplace.
1: Okay, I was going to ask if you were going to expand it even further. But mm-hmm. you-
2: yes. Oh, yes. Uh, well, for Ripple, probably not to expand it farther because there's a geographic sort of uh, limit because of the the shipping of the glass. Uh,
1: sure, it's So heavier, really, we yeah. think
2: it's like a three or four hour radius around Kansas City. So mm-hmm. we're getting glass from northern Arkansas, Oklahoma, southern Nebraska, Iowa, mm-hmm. Kansas, way into Missouri. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, but, it, you know, right now, I would say we're at almost the national average of glass, which is unique for a, a drop-off type mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So... It's my idea to actually i want to start spending a little more time marketing and working with some trying to make Kansas City the number one glass recycling city in the United States. That's my crazy <laughs> idea this week <laughs> and i'm I'm bound to determined to do it some way, one way or another, so we're working on some plans, and we haven't done really any marketing or anything, uh-huh. so it's sort of been just word of mouth and sure and you know I think um uh you know it takes what's interesting about. Ripple glass is it requires the consumer to do a little extra work. But, you know, it's the right way to do it. You know, you're going back to the grocery store or going to the liquor store Mm -hmm. anyway. We've made it. All we've really done is take a drop-off program and made it easier by putting, we probably have 150 bins Mm -hmm. out in the system. And so Kansas City's in a good place to become a really good glass recycling because we've got the right mechanism set in place uh, you know, people love this idea of what they call single stream uh, recycling, mm-hmm. which is where you put your glass into the tub, which doesn't happen in Kansas City, but in, you know, 80% of the U.S., it does. Right. And they're having real problems with those systems because typically that glass is not being recycled. Really? You know, typically it's going mm-hmm. to the landfill. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it it's sort of a false sense of, okay, I've done the right thing. I've thrown my glass into the thing. I kick it to the curb. Truck picks it up, breaks. it goes to the Murph, they scoop it up yeah. and haul it to the dump. And mm. so, you know, Kansas City's in a position to really have a system that works.
1: Yeah. And it's, it strikes me as you were talking about uh, the consumer having to do something a little bit extra in order to participate in, in your ripple glass recycling program. Well, it's not much unlike what we talked about earlier, where if you... Um, uh, patronize urban gardens, or you get involved in some of the uh, programs with urban agriculture, uh, you, you just have to change your way of thinking a little bit. You might have to work a little harder at it, but the benefits personally and for the community and really for the, the world are so much more rewarding uh, once you get it, form those habits and start doing them.
2: Absolutely. I, I think, uh, you know, I say uh, drinking beer is a little bit of a bad habit. So if, <laughs> Says you, re- if, you, if you recycle your If you recycle your glass, then that's a good habit and kind of counteracts... You're drinking, so you know, kind of goes hand well, in hand.
1: You certainly haven't let any grass grow under your feet uh, in the last couple of years, and, and I don't think anybody really expected you to, so congratulations on all that you've accomplished, and the best of luck with everything that you still have on your plate and your future vision. Of course, we'll want to keep in touch with you and see where it all goes, but thank you for the time today.
2: Thank you, Kelly. I appreciate having me on the show.
1: And if you'd like to learn more about how to grow your business, please visit our website at Thinking Bigger Business Media or follow us on Facebook at Thinking Bigger Business Media and on Twitter at I Think Bigger. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.